0: Coming to you from the Parish Healthcare Podcast Studio. That's
1: kind of a special battleground, Florida, we're doing here, not as political because we're taking a pause on that. We're going to talk about the hurricane, Hurricane Dorian on its way into Florida as we speak. I'm going to time stamp this. We're recording this at 3 o'clock on Friday afternoon. This is, of course, August the 30th. So we're still waiting. Cassandra Krimi, one of mm-hmm. our meteorologists, is here. Greg Warmuth, our main anchor, is here. Greg, you've been through a lot of hurricanes. You've seen a lot of this. Cassandra, you know the science as well as anyone. I want to talk a little bit about what we're seeing right now at 3 o'clock as we're getting towards the weekend. We're getting some of this information coming in. Cassandra, I mean, we're still pretty far out but we've got a vague idea.
2: Right, we, we're starting to get kind of closer and closer. We're gonna get that cone narrower and narrower. Now, what we look for when we're watching hurricanes, there's a couple of impacts. There's wind shear, which will just eat up a storm. It's been battling that for the last couple of days, which has really been making it for hard forecasting. Um, we also look at water and land interaction. Obviously, warm water is the kind of the fuel for hurricanes. And um, when this storm, originally became something we started to watch. It was was supposed to hit hit the island of Hispaniola, which a lot of us know Haiti, the Dominican Republic, is so rocky. The terrain there would have just tore the storm up. So again, it's had all of these hurdles that it's had to overcome, and somehow it's kind of bypassed them in multiple different ways. Um, And it's made for very tricky forecasting. But where we are here Friday is it's starting to enter into an area where there's none of that shear that I talked about before. So what that means is it's gonna have the potential to just grow as it continues to march towards the Bahamas. So
1: it's, it's going to go across the Bahamas, yeah. and the Bahamas will do nothing to stop it.
2: No, I mean, you talk. we're talking a couple of little islands. It may throw a little wrench in the system, but it's actually expected to strengthen right before it hits the Bahamas and kind of stay strong as a major category, Category 4 storm, which puts us into the 130-plus mile-an-hour range once it hits the Bahamas.
1: And, Greg, you've, you've seen this play out so many times before, different storms, different years, but... I mean, the the script is largely the same.
0: Yeah, and we got people's attention with, you know, the threesome, Charlie, Francis, and Gene. That really was a a wake-up call because Charlie was going to go to Tampa, and I'll never forget that. I was at the Emergency Operations Center, and I know we're talking about today as opposed to yesterday, but that was a wake-up call. Tom Terry comes on the air, interrupts ABC's forecast of where the storm was going, and, and it was ironic in that the people from Tampa evacuated to Orlando, only to evacuate where the storm ultimately came. And Tom said, no, hold the phone here. Um, He told me last night, and again, we're recording this on Friday, that even since then, the ability to forecast storms, and Cassandra touched on how difficult this has been, this is better than it was then. So I I think that we know that we're going to be hit here in Orlando. And the one thing about Orlando, just fly in here anytime. This is (laughs) a big place. There are a lot of people not as densely populated as Miami. But, Chris, you and I know, and, of course, Cassandra, that this is a a large swath of people that will be impacted. Flooding will be a concern. Now, I want to say one thing. This is a political podcast that you typically do, uh, folks that go to your channel. And it was interesting. The second question asked of Ron DeSantis today was, will this storm decide your political future? Storms have become political football and political fodder. He quickly said, Donald Trump canceled plans to go to Poland. He said, no, it's not political fodder. I've been prepared. Don't forget I was a congressman. You know, I, it was part of my district when Michael came in last year. I was there for that, so no. But the press already asking him if he does not respond as our leader, as well as we hope he does, what will that do to his political future?
1: I spoke to Congressman Michael Waltz about that today, and actually one of the questions I prefaced to him, and along those same lines, as I said, this is one of the few things that everyone can agree we want our government to be able to do. State, local, federal, we want them to be able to help us ahead of a big disaster like this, and then be there for us on the back end. And of course, you mentioned political careers can get made or destroyed based on how you handle a storm. Florida, though, We've gotten so much better. The technology has gotten better for watching these storms, for measuring them, for knowing when they're coming. And as far as us being prepared, stationing assets and having evacuation routes, building codes have improved. We've done a lot in the last two decades to be better for storms. But at the same time, we don't know where this is going to hit and we don't know exactly what it's going to do. We can be prepared for wind all day long, but if we get two feet of rain in a day... That water's got to go somewhere, and all your preparations for wind go out the window.
0: I've dealt with storms that have had water as their main element, and I believe, and granted, it's not me who had his roof ripped off, if you will. I have suffered damage through hurricanes that have hit central Florida. The water is a whole different issue. You can patch a roof and get yourself dried in and manage that. You can't manage water because there's nowhere for it to go. And don't forget, and this is a Cassandra comment that she can add to, we're already high on the water table. We have had a very wet summer. And then, of course, the St. John's River flood goes from south to north. All the water, if, say, South Florida gets a, a ton of water, if that is where it comes, and we also do, that water's going to get here slowly but surely. Next thing you know, there's nowhere to put the water. You can't force the water into lakes that are already full. So I think we've got a real problem. I think this is going to be one of the longest battles, the wettest battles we've ever faced here in Central Florida and I don't think that this storm is going to be um, historical in terms of wind, but in terms of water. And we're going to look back and, and say, wow, that was a wet one.
2: Yeah, well, and talking about that storm, we've all been watching the storm system slow down and slow down. And it's kind of had a double-edged sword. For some of the models, that means it's going to pull off our East Coast. That's kind of the trend of if it keeps going slow our high pressure, it's going to kind of drive it in a different direction. But on the flip coin, if it does make its way right up the state, which is where we have the national hurricane track right now, and it's moving slow, that's like Greg said, it could be 24-plus inches of rainfall in some locations across central Florida. And if you go
1: look out at your retention ponds Mm -hmm. in your neighborhood or down the street and look at them, see how much room they've got left because you know this isn't this isn't like a couple summers ago when you could see the water you know you were scraping bare bottom they're pretty full at this point It's got to go somewhere. And if we get two feet, that could be a real problem.
0: Some of the lakes are drawn down. City of Orlando has this really cool system of being able to draw lakes down because they're all, not all, but most of them are interconnected. So they can draw them down in advance of the storm. But that's going to be the issue. Um, As folks are preparing, maybe they're driving around or they're, they're listening to this as they think of what they can do. Maybe sandbags are hard. There are always interesting things that come our way. One is, if you can't get sandbags, buy mulch. I went to Lowe's, our Home Depot today, and someone in front of me bought a bunch of potting soil. You can Mm -hmm. utilize it later. Um, It works just the same. So those are dual purposes. You don't have to wait in line to have those filled up. Dave Syrak, our operations manager, made a good point. Do your laundry in advance of losing your power. Don't have piles of laundry at your house this week and Mm -hmm. get things, get some of that busy work done because it may be quite some time. You know, I've always said that, you know, not having power is the biggest problem with the storm. I think that's going to change because this lat two times ago when we had Matthew come in, um, the water was so high in Altamont Springs and in parts of Orlando. And I watched these poor people, their homes were ruined. Their lives were really just in upheaval. So here's the good news. You know, in a couple of weeks, we're going to look back on it and go, OK, we were prepared. We got through it. We're going to hope that there's not two more storms right behind it. But uh, this is going to be uh, a good one. Mar- Martha, good in a bad way, Martha Sagalski, who is my co-anchor, was just at the Lake Mary Publix. And someone turned to her and said, why do you always just hype these storms, you guys in the media? And she said, well, sir, and, you know, don't mess with Martha. Mm-hmm. She said, well, first of all, that sign right there says two cases of water. I count five in your shopping cart. So I think you're taking this seriously. And we're not hyping it. We're going to live here. We, we have a... a joke, I guess it's right outside the studio here. We have Sleep Witness Nine or whatever we call it. The the employees of WFTV, we're not hyping this. We are living here. We are living this storm to help people get through it. The storm is also different, Chris, because we have a podcast, because Andra has her phone. I say to people, make sure you have those auxiliary chargers, because we'll always be able to broadcast we have power here, you know, we have generators. So if your phone is working and your live stream is working and I think the cell the cellular towers are stronger and more fortified. This, the viewing of this storm, I don't think is going to be traditional through television.
1: No, it's going to be spread out, and that's another thing that is very important. You can keep up to date on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. If you if you can find a cell service, you don't have to find Wi-Fi. You can download a podcast or a quick video off Facebook and get some information about what's going on. And that's, I think, another big thing that's going to be different from what we've seen in the previous storms. And also, too, you mentioned the last couple storms we've had the last few years. The one maybe good thing about those storms is they came in and knocked out a lot of, you know, big trees and other things that – maybe we're on their last leg. That's not here this time. So hopefully some of that's been kind of cleared away. And so the, the the power lines getting knocked out won't be quite as severe because we've gone through a couple storms and we've rebuilt some of that infrastructure. But again, if we're all standing in two feet of water, having the power
2: on is not the greatest thing in the world because now you've got your home flooded. Mm-hmm, exactly. Well, I, and I want to get back to Greg's point too, about I was talking about hyping. I really want to say that I think our weather team does a great job of not hyping the storm system. And this also touches as well on technology. We just now have a much better availability and ability to see storms way before we were able to see them, even five years ago. And so we're able to just kind of sit and watch and wait. And I think that anticipating of just like waiting and waiting and seeing these storm systems evolve makes people anxious. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and I get that and we get that. But if you listen to Brian Shields, you listen to Tom Terry, you listen to Rusty McCraney, myself, George Waldenberger, I feel like any of us are very, we're just giving it to you like it is. We're telling you all the information we know. We're not trying to scare anybody. We just want them to have the information available at their disposal that we have so they can keep them and their family safe and do what they need to do. You're from,
0: you're from Texas. I just want to bring this up the technology that you talk about is mm-hmm. unbelievable go back to the galveston hurricanes and the, all those thousands of people that were killed it was a bright sunny day like 2 days before that other than maybe the pressure they knew that there was a pressure change this was it you know before the advancements of the technology so i think the technology is li- it's clearly life saving it's it's beneficial at some point maybe you feel like you know you've taken in too much you kind of get what you're supposed to get and then, you know, when those new tracks come out, you kind of log into that. We shoot it out over social media. So we are spitting all this out there, how people digest it. It really is up to them.
1: And Florida, for the most part, and we, we do what we do here. The state puts out information. The national, the national Weather Service puts out information. There's a lot of information out there. But the great thing about it is it all gets taken in and it gets um, and it gets kind of compartmentalized by different parts of the state that are now prepared. You have, with a disaster declaration already being signed, the federal disaster declaration already being signed ahead of landfall, you have National Guard elements that are not just ready in Florida, but in other states to support Florida. And you have communities that can look at one another and say, okay, Tampa maybe doesn't get hit with this storm, but they can help Orlando. And if Orlando's not in a bad, bad way, but maybe Ocala gets hit really hard, we can help them. You start getting that coordination going ahead of time. So it's not just people being ready, It's cities that have kind of that muscle to Mm -hmm. respond to the storm. They're ready. That is something we've gotten pretty good about in this state over the last two, three decades.
0: National Guard has uh, some 4,000 out-of-state soldiers and service members that are at the ready to come. Every service member um, that's active and on reserve that's not serving on deployment Is alert to be here and all the equipment that comes with that, the high water rescue vehicles. So we're going to have the storm hit, but but there is no shot that Florida is going to be caught with its uh, pants down. I mean, we know how to handle this. The one thing that's not going to happen is you can't stop it. No, so you just got to prepare for it.
1: And we don't. And it's not just the National Guard and kind of those those governmental resources whether you're talking FPNL or OUC or Gulf Power or Duke, they're all getting stuff ready. They may not have the trucks all lined up right now on the side of the interstate, but they've made those calls to Atlanta. They've made those calls to North Carolina and said, whatever linemen you can afford, get them ready, get the trucks ready, get them ready to roll. As soon as this thing blows through, we need you down here because we're getting the power back on.
0: I have one question for Cassandra before we wrap up the podcast. Cassandra, we... Again, it's 3 o'clock on a Friday. When will we know for sure what's going to happen to us?
2: I think, Greg, really, you know, we we keep saying the next 24 hours are really going to be important for us. And I know I've, I've caught myself, too. It's been about two days of, like, you know, these next 24 hours we're really going to hone in. But to be quite honest, even still at 3 o'clock on a Friday afternoon when we were expecting – You know, earlier this week we were expecting more of a a Saturday Sunday time frame, and that's not the case. But as of Friday, we have models, one saying it's gonna be completely off our coast, gonna miss us. We'll just get the the west side of the storm system. We have other models that are dropping it through Miami and pushing it across the state. So when you talk about the level of uncertainty, it has not narrowed. I think not to be a broken record, but over the next twenty four hours we will really start to know a bit more. But there's been kind of a running joke not just in our weather department but in weather departments really across all of central florida that we felt like we've been in the five day cone for like 3 or 4 days yeah. it just keeps extending um, and again there's nothing we can do about that i th- i think people with uh, with meteorologists and when we come to forecasts it's like well you guys should know you should know that this is what it's going to happen but just understand that we're scientists watching a storm system evolve and we're just giving out the information. And this just keeps evolving in a way that is slower.
1: What, what time, what times do people, should people expect updates? Not just, I mean, we'll do ours according to the TV schedule, but I mean, when, when do we get the big dumps of data from the
2: planes that go into this? Right. So the national hurricane center will give us updated tracks. So that's going to be the cone that you see with the level of uncertainty that comes out at 11 AM, 5 PM, excuse me, 11 a.m., 5 p.m., 11 p.m., and then 5 a.m., so the 11 and the 5s. They will do intermediate advisories at, you'll get one at, so you'll get the 11 o'clock, you'll get one at 2 then you'll get the five o'clock track, then you get one at eight. So kind of the two and the eights is where you get intermediate advisories. And that's really where we get a bulk of the information from the hurricane hunters that are going in, from the National Weather Service that's ingesting all of this model data, and kind of coming up with that forecast cone. So if you are, if you're kind of overwhelmed by all the data that's coming at you, if you just want to know, hey, has it updated at all? Has it increased in strength at all? Really, 11 and five, and the a.m. and the p.m. is, is going to be when you're going to get a big chunk of that new data.
1: All right, meteorologist Cassandra Crimi, Greg Warmouth, WFTV anchor. Guys, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for going over this. Um, listen, everybody out there, stay safe. Do what you got to do to get prepared now. The storm's coming. We, we don't know 100% where it's going to end up, but we will be affected one way or the other. And so keep safe, keep an eye on your neighbors, and we'll talk to you later. Thanks.
0: Recorded in the Parish Healthcare Podcast Studio.